And hello there, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. And I am your host, as always, Tony Defio. And I certainly thank you and appreciate you for joining me on another lovely night. It's, we're finally in the winter, or winter, summer. And it's hot around 90, but not so humid today. But I'm sure that's going to be a uh, Hitting us soon. It, it is the uh, beginning of summer, and summer usually uh, includes a lot of humidity. So, enjoying it for now. And as always, I hope it's great and pleasant and nice weather wise and life wise, wherever you are in Steeler Nation, whether it's in Pittsburgh, Cleveland, I mean, any part of the other part of the world besides the United States. I hope it's great. And before I continue with tonight's show, I'd like you, as always, to please like and subscribe to our Behind the Curtain YouTube channel. We bring you live podcasts in each and every day, each and every day and night, I should say. Uh, if you were tuning in earlier, you saw the Touchdown Under podcast with the blokes from Down Under, Maddie Peverall and Mark Davidson. Of course, we have this show. We have... Steelers Q&A every Sunday, hosted by two different individuals every week. I was on with Jeremy Betts last week. We have Steelers Hangover with Brian Anthony Davis, Shannon White, and yours truly. We have We Run the North with Kevin Tate, Tate Boys. We have Bad Language with Brian on Sundays. Uh, we have Steelers Preview. That's every Thursday. I'm going out of order because it's, it's fresher that way with uh, – Jeff Hartman, Dave Schofield, and Brian. Uh, we have the Scobro Show every Tuesday night with Dave Schofield and Rich Schofield. Every Wednesday we have uh, the Curtain Call or Know Your Enemy, depending on what time of the year it is. And that's hosted by Jeffrey Benedict and Shannon White. Is that all the live shows? I think it's all the live shows. We have post-game stuff during the season, you know, there's always something going on on our live podcast. So please check those out. You can check them out live on Facebook too, which I'm sure you're doing right now. If you're on Facebook and you're on Behind Slow Curtains Facebook uh, page. So hello, Facebook, as always. And you can catch all of our live shows after the fact on any audio platform of your choosing. Wherever you can find podcasts, you can find Behind Slow Curtain every show. And we also have... Audio-only shows that you can find on any audio platform. Uh, this is where we, we, we tape them or stream them, uh, edit them. Brian does the editing, and then we bring them to you after the fact. Shows including Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman, Stat Geek with Dave Schofield, The War Room with Maddie Peverall, From the Cutting Room Floor with Jeffrey Benedict, What Ian's Talking About with Kyle Kreis, the Steelers Half Hour Power Hour with Chris Pugh. Uh, the Steelers Fix, which is a great show with Andrew Wilbar, The Wonderkind, and Jeremy Betts, The Young Father. So they both know their football really well. So you, you, you're going to get a lot of great insight from those two. And uh, you're probably going to see Andrew on TV someday on ESPN or whatever other sports channel happens to be around in 15, 20 years. So please check all of our shows out. You will not be sorry. And of course, check out Behind Still Curtain, the website. We bring you news, commentary, film breakdown, 
anytime there's a breaking story, anytime there's a, a insightful story that you, that you, you want to check out, you're going you're gonna to find it on Behind the Steel Curtain. It's your one-stop shop for all your Steelers needs. Believe me, you will not be sorry. Let's check out the live chat. I saw who was number one tonight. But just to confirm, yes, there it is. Steelers Pittsburgh, who gives a thumbs up to Steeler Nation. Their first in tonight, Steeler Chick 46 is with us. Kyle Johnson, who says, hey, Tony. He's joining us from YouTube. Just me, also from YouTube, a, a uh, BTSC legend. You're all legends, but you know what I mean. Thanks, Mean Joe. Speaking of legends, wow. Any bigger than Mean Joe Green? Maybe it's the real Mean Joe. E- either way, thanks, Mean Joe. is a, 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 a legend, too. George Teston, who always joins me every Friday. So that's who we have in the live chat so far, and I am so glad you guys are joining me. Let's, of course, touch on the the news of the week. And really, it wasn't a ton of news, but it was it was impactful. Uh, was it on Wednesday or Tuesday, whatever day that was? I get my days mixed up. Um, life just flies by. But anyway, it was announced this week that Steelers signed defensive tackle, formerly of the Browns and the Bengals, Larry Joby. That was on Tuesday, by the way. It was on Tuesday because I remember talking to my friends at the running group. So that's when it was, Tuesday. Not that it matters what day it was. The fact of the matter is it happened. And it happened. And, uh, you know, I mean, if you're looking at strictly resumes and what he's accomplished in the past, it's a great signing. You know, if you couple that with the stuff on to it, retirement, then it was was a great pickup by Pittsburgh. Um, Of course, the only caveat is Ogunjobi's health. He had a Suffered a Liz Frank injury in the postseason. It required surgery. Uh, he signed a, a fairly big deal with the Chicago Bears at the onset of free agency back in March. And he failed the physical, which voided the contract and put him back on the free agent market for close to four months, I guess, a little over three months anyway. So that's the one thing you have to be. Uh, a little concerned about if you're a Steelers fan, if you're the Steelers themselves. And yes, he did pass the physical. And yes, it was reported on Friday that he is expected to start training camp and be ready for the regular season. But you just don't know. You just don't know. You know, I think it's kind of, it's a bit troublesome that the Bears signed him to such a lucrative deal. And then they, and then they, voided the contract. I mean, if it was something that they thought would heal properly in a few months, uh, why wouldn't they keep, you know, why wouldn't they just honor the contract? Because uh, he is a, a pretty good player. So that's a bit concerning, I think, uh, in my opinion. But if he if he is healthy, then, then it's a great find. And, and the contract, it's only a one-year deal and it's not worth a whole lot as far as, you know, relatively speaking. Uh, where they have 23 million in, in cap space, something like that. And this deal is worth up to 8 million with incentives. So it's one of those low risk, potentially high reward kind of contracts. So f- from that standpoint, there's not a ton to lose for the Steelers. So if they can, uh, 
if, if, if he's healthy, he's going to be a good player. There's no, there's no question about it. I, I was reading KT Smith's breakdown of what Ogunjobi brings to the, uh, brings to the table. I was reading that on, on Friday and he did a great job as always of breaking it down. And, and uh, the biggest takeaway I'm, from, from my perspective, and I'm just a layman football fan is that Ogunjobi has a, he has a, a knack for being able to, beat double teams and, and get into the backfield. Uh, and, you know, he, he makes life miserable for guards and centers. So from that perspective, I mean, if he can get back to that, to his um, old ways, if he can overcome this injury, then, you know, he's going to be more than an adequate replacement for Stefan to He's probably going to be a, a, a dynamic replacement for, for Stefan to I'm not saying he's as good as Stefan to but, you know, they don't need him to be. They, they just need him to be really, really good and somebody who can complement Cam Hayward and Tyson Alualu and and be a good rotational piece for that for the line as a whole. When you're when you factor in all the young guys and you know even a veteran like Chris Wormley. I mean, the, the a healthy Ogan Joby along with a healthy Alualu <laughs> makes this line so much better than it was last year. So, um, you know. But I will say one last thing about him, and that's, you know, when, when you're talking about these lists of free agents that you see in June and July after the the two or three waves of free agency uh, come and go, you know, it's it's you're usually getting players that that have some issues that you have to deal with or you have to be concerned about, and certainly Ogunjobi falls into that category. So hopefully, for the Steelers' sake. He will be 100% this year, and if he is, they have themselves a a, a, a really good defensive lineman. Uh, he's really good against a run when healthy. He's a really good pass rusher for, for being a defensive tackle. He's not Cam Hayward. He's not Aaron Donald. He's not even Stephon Tuitt, but again, he doesn't have to be. He has 21 and a half career sacks. He had seven last year, but he's been fairly consistent. He had a back-to-back years when he had, I think, five and a half. I think he had two in 2020 and seven last year. So that's a fairly consistent uh, year with the one uh, uh, year where he kind of regressed a little bit. So he's uh, fairly consistent in getting after the, the quarterback. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I'm still not going to – you know, I'm obviously going to wait and see. Um, cause we've, been, we've been down this road before with guys like Ladarius Green and – couple others so uh nothing is uh official until you until i see him on the field and uh, i see him uh staying healthy again if, i think if he stays if he stays healthy and provided you know he doesn't have a drop off and play uh because of that injury even if he is healthy you could still lose a step or lose explosiveness and then i think i think uh they should be fine with him so so there were concerns about whether or not they would add to that defensive line. We talked about it last week on, on the Q&A with uh, uh, Jeremy and I talked about it. And he mentioned Ogunjobi as somebody that he would hope that they would uh, take a look at. And a couple of days later, he was the Steeler. So uh, we'll see what happens. As far as them signing anybody else at this point, I don't know. I mean, those questions are going to remain and they're going to be out there. Uh, until the season starts. And even after the season starts, people are going to wonder if they should sign more players like backup running back and 
um, maybe a, a veteran offensive lineman, et cetera, et cetera, a veteran cornerback. You know, those questions are always going to remain because those lists of free agents, those lists of free agents are always readily available and they're always out there and they're always easily accessible. So at this point, I don't anticipate them doing anything else, but I didn't anticipate them doing anything last year and they made a ton of moves. So we shall see. In other news, Kenny Pickett finally signed his rookie deal on Thursday. It was, it was reported and you know, there was some concern about that. Every now and then I would see a comment pop up about why hasn't Kenny Pickett, signed his rookie deal yet. Um, I'm not sure if people are aware of this, but rookie hold, holdouts are relatively, are basically a, a thing of the past now. You just don't see many holdouts by rookies anymore. I don't think, I can maybe count on, on a couple of fingers <laughs> uh, the amount of holdouts there have been since they changed the collective bargaining agreement back in 2011 and they've, updated a couple of times since then, but it's remained the same. And that's rookie draft picks get paid um, depending on where they were drafted. They're slotted in. So there, there's no room at all to negotiate when it comes to, to the terms of a, you know, when it comes to the, uh, the, the length of a contract and, and the amount for every rookie, it's four years. First round picks get a, a fifth year option. The team has a fifth year option on them. I should say. So that's totally 100% non-negotiable. So that's never going to be an issue. Um, the things that are negotiable are, are things like the, the payment schedule for signing bonuses, how much a player gets uh, per year, how much he gets up front, how much he gets over the length of a deal. <clears throat> Excuse me, but even a bonus is slotted. So you can't even negotiate that. You, you just negotiate when you get the money. And of course, other minor things, uh, are, are negotiable, but none of those things are, are, are going to make a player hold out, at least not the entire training camp or, or, or regular season. So that's really not a concern anymore. So when I see people uh, expressing concern, I just like say, look, it, it, it's, there's nothing to worry about. I mean, these guys are pretty much locked in. They're like how NFL, how veteran NFL players used to be. Um, before the uh, free agency period kicked in in 1993. And they pretty much have no choice but to, to play uh, for the rookie deal or sit out and enter the draft again, I guess. There really are no other alternatives for superstar college football players. You know, if there was an AFL or a USFL, a legit one, or, you know, World Football League like in the 1970s, uh, then, you know, these players would have leverage and they could, they could, um, negotiate mega deals with these other leagues. And of course the NFL would be forced to, to, uh, do away with the slotting system for rookies. They, they would, they would have to, or they would just lose some of these players to these rival leagues, but these rival leagues don't exist anymore. The NFL is basically a monopoly in that regard. So you're never going to see rookies hold out anymore there might be a, a rare occasion like with joey bosa a few years ago when that happens but but it's pretty much a thing of the past and if you're a player like kenny pickett you know you're ba basically any any rookie you're 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 betting on yourself 
you're using your rookie contract to bet on yourself and become the best possible player you can be to become the most valuable commodity you can be so that when you're, when it's time to negotiate the quote unquote, all important second contract, then you can ask for the moon and you're probably going to get it because, uh, you know, especially if you're a quarterback, you know, because, you know, then you have all the leverage, you know, unless they franchise tag you. And if they franchise tag you and you're a quarterback, for example, well, you're going to be making 35, 40 million guaranteed. So, uh, really there, there was never any cause for concern when it came to Kenny Pickett. It was, you know, I think a lot, a lot of fans, honestly, I think they, they still think of these situations, uh, like they were in the eighties, nineties and two thousands back before the 2011 CBA back then, you know, a rookie could ask for anything he wanted. And, you know, uh, the ninth overall pick could make more than the second overall pick. You know, it's just how it was. It, it just depended on who your agent was and what the team was willing to, to do, you know, to what they were willing to give you to, uh, to sign on the dotted line, but those days are over. So that's pretty much all I have to say about that. We have Brandon Chase joining us from Facebook, John from YouTube, Steeler Freak, who says Joe Burrow is going to break the bank. If he keeps going at this pace, he sure will. I mean, that's the great thing about about uh, uh, being a young player. I mean, you don't have to be Joe Montana to be the highest paid quarterback in the history of the, of the NFL. You just have to be a long at the right time. You know, we saw that with Micah Fitzpatrick last week. He's the highest paid safety of all time right now. Is he, is he uh Ronnie lot? Is he Troy Polamalu? Is he uh, Ed Reed? No, not yet anyway, but he's the highest paid safety. Why? Because he came along in, in the uh, late uh, 2010s. And now he's, he's um, benefiting from what a lot of these uh, veteran players. I mean, players well before Troy and Ed Reed came along. Um, for the, the, the sacrifices they made and, and, and the, the battles that they fought, you know, in order to, to, to get a lot of the um, benefits that, that the current players have. So, yeah, Joe Burrow is going to make a ton of money, just like Josh Allen did, just like Dak Prescott did, just like um, <laughs> Lamar Jackson's probably going to get, if not with Baltimore, certainly with somebody else. And hopefully, if you're a Steeler fan, just like Kenny Pickett's going to get someday, because if he gets that kind of a deal, then it just shows you what kind of what kind of a quarterback uh, he will be. He will become. So, hey, Kyle Johnson says, "Well, I got I got to put this up there because you know of my ego." And he says, "Yours is my favorite show. I like them all, but yours is the best." Wow. Good thing I saw that 19 minutes in and not at the very beginning. That might have. Uh, that might have uh, made me nervous, but now that I'm, I'm, I've got a few hits in. I got a few tackles in. Now I feel, I feel ready to go. So I'm glad I was able to see that. Thank you for that, Kyle. And all seriousness, thank you for that. And Brian Brown says of Joe Burrow that he can kiss it. Uh, there you go. Maybe uh, T.J. Watt and Cam, and maybe even Ogan Joby will will uh, force uh, force uh, Joe Burrow to kiss a lot of turf this year. If you're a Steeler fan, you can only hope. But I think Joe Burrow is going to be special. I think 
you know, if, 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 if Kenny Pickett, uh, or Mitch Trubisky or Mason Rudolph, I know that's a unpopular thing to say, but we'll just stick with Kenny Pickett. If Kenny Pickett turns into the real deal, then it's going to be a golden age for quarterbacks in the AFC North, even without Deshaun Watson, even if he becomes such a PR nightmare that the Browns have to, well, they'd still owe money, but if, if they have to just force him to go away, <laughs> uh, it's still going to be a golden era with, uh, with Lamar and, and Joe Burrow and, and Kenny Pickett. So uh, we'll see what happens. Steelers Pittsburgh says, well, I'm, I'm talking about, uh, I'm taking a lot of questions early on, but I can't help it. Uh, you caught my eye with some of these. Joe Burrow only played one and a half years and people act like he's the second coming. I'm not sold on that. Well, that's usually what happens with uh, young quarterbacks. I mean, they, they they come on the scene. You know, they have success early. I mean, we saw it with Patrick Mahomes, who I forgot to mention. Um, we see it with a lot of young quarterbacks. You know, once they, once they come on the scene, like Ben Roethlisberger was that guy. By his second year, he was winning a Super Bowl. So, you know, and it, more often than not, those kind of quarterbacks, they do go on to act like the second coming of great quarterbacks. But on that note, I wanted to transition to my title topic, and that has to do with Mike Tomlin, head coach Mike Tomlin, and the Pivot podcast I, I watched the other day with Kevin, oh, Kevin, with Brian Clark, Channing Crowder, former outside linebacker for the Dolphins, and Fred Taylor, the legendary Steelers killing running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And he finished all his career with the uh, Patriots, but I mean, he made his. He made his mark with the with the uh, Jaguars, and they get over eleven thousand career yards in like eleven years. I mean, he had a he had a heck of a career. Anyway, it was a it was a, a, a just a great ninety minutes, and and it was Mike Tomlin like nobody's ever seen him. I mean, he he really let his hair. He was still Mike Tomlin. He was still kind of guarded, but he let his hair down. Even though he doesn't have any hair, but he he uh, let his hair down, and and and. I think gave a lot of wonderful insights to being an NFL head coach. It was like reading his autobiography, but in uh, interview form. And uh, a lot, a lot of the things I took away from that. First of all, the, the number one thing I took away was how revered he is, not just by by his own players, but by people who played against him, Channing Crowder and 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 especially Fred Taylor. I think Fred Taylor at the age of 46 wanted to lace him up right there and, and, and sign a deal with the Steelers and, and play for, and be their backup running back. He wanted to, I think he wanted to fill that need at depth at running back. That's how much those guys revere him. And you always see whenever they have these, uh, these anonymous votes of what opposing coach would you like to play for? It seems like Mike Tomlin's always either at the top of the list or near the top of the list. So, to me, that's the first thing I took away was how how much both Crowder and, and Taylor revered Mike Tomlin, respected him, were almost in awe of him. It was like watching Wayne's World when when they when they uh, encountered Alice Cooper. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. You know, that's what it kind of reminded me of. Ryan Clark, I didn't realize this, but I didn't realize how much of a how close of a relationship that they had, meaning Mike Tomlin and, and, and Ryan Clark. So, you know, Ryan Clark was a little more more uh, composed, I guess. Uh, but that was the first first thing I took away. The second thing I took away was 
how eager Tomlin appears to be to to take on this challenge. And others have mentioned this, but that's but I I noticed this right away when I was watching the podcast. How much how eager he is to take on this challenge of of life without Ben Roethlisberger as his quarterback. You know, um, you know he mentioned how it was scary. You know, the the the, the unknown moving forward without Big Ben how it's kind of scary and how, you know, he was, you know, when, when you get, when you see somebody that great perform for so long, you get used to it and maybe you get complacent and maybe you, you forget that not every quarterback on, on the planet is capable of doing the things that Ben did in his prime. But at the same time, he seems eager to move forward and, and, and take on the challenge and of finding the new, his new quarterback and, and winning with him and, the rest of his young team. So that was the second thing I took away from that. And the third thing I took away was how he's not, he's after 15 years. Now he's going into his 16th year. I think. Yeah. 2007, 22, I think it's year number 16. He's not resting on his laurels. He's not using his resume to prop himself up. As he said, he's not using that to seek comfort. He's not in the business of seeking comfort. He wants to be uncomfortable. He wants his players to be uncomfortable. Um, so that's, to me, I think that's that's the most encouraging thing I took away from that is that Mike Tomlin is still not satisfied, even though he's accomplished a lot, even though, you know, if you listen to those guys, the respect they showed him, he's already a Hall of Famer. Um, there's obviously a debate about that. There's always going to be a debate about that. But in the eyes of many, he's already had a Hall of Fame career. He's won the Super Bowl. He's been to another. Um, he's won countless uh, division titles. He's been to the playoffs, what, 11 times, I think, or 10 times in 15 years. So he's you know, on his way to becoming the winningest head coach if he, if he sticks around. Uh, so he's already one of the best coaches in, in franchise history. But he's, he's still not satisfied. He's still hungry. He's still passionate. So that's the third thing I took away. And I think that's encouraging because, because the Steelers are, are, are transitioning into a new era, right? I mean, they don't have, you know, they were kind of, you know, as long as you have Ben Roethlisberger, it was just like with Chuck Noll. You're always going to have a connection to that, to the, the most recent Super Bowl era. And for Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers, it was 04 through, I'd say 2010, 2011. I think that's, that was the, the, the era of that, you know, that was the length of that Super Bowl run. I think after 2011, it was a transition into a new era, you know, after the Tebow loss. And as long as you had Ben around, there was still a link to the past, and people were still looking to the past and hoping that they can repeat what they did, find that magic again, if you will. But now, here we are, it's 2022. There's no more link to the past other than Mike Tomlin who came on in the middle of that run. So, you know, basically it's a whole new era and it's, it's a veteran coach, but, but more than any, more than any other time in his career with the Steelers, it's his team. It's his vision. Um, and, and he seems very, 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 uh, hungry to, to uh, carve out another another uh, great era 
in Steelers history. So I think another takeaway is I think he still gets his players to buy in. To me, that's still pretty apparent. You know, the things he says, his, his Tomlinisms, his isms, I mean, he says them and, and they're unique and, and, they're, and they're great sound bites. But a lot of the things he says, I mean, they're philosophies that are universal to all coaches. You know, like when he says, I treat everybody fairly, but I don't treat everybody the same. This is just another way of saying I give preferential treatment to star players, which every coach in the history of professional sports, no matter what the sport is, has had to do that dance. Uh, even Vince Lombardi, who was maybe the most godlike figure ever, as far as NFL coaches are concerned, he had to kind of show preferential treatment to Bart Starr, his quarterback. Uh, I, I don't know if I told the story before, but but early in, in Starr's career in Green Bay, you know, Lombardi would chew him out in front of everybody else. He would just chew him out constantly, you know, berate him. You, you know, and, and you know, and one day Starr said to him privately, "Look." You want me to lead these guys. You want me to be their leader. You want them to respect me, but you keep chewing me out in front of them. Now, if I have a butt chewing coming on or, or coming, uh, do it, but do it privately. Don't chew me out. Don't undress me or whatever, whatever, whatever I'm trying to say in front of them. Do it in private. And Vince Lombardi, for as much as, a, you know, how much of a tyrant he could he could be, he never did that again. He he um, respected what Bart Starr had to say, and everybody was better better for it. Obviously, Bart Starr went to the Hall of Fame. They won however many championships together. So every court, every every coach has to do that, has to toe that preferential treatment line, so to speak. Um, you know, like other things he he said, like which I thought a really cool quote that I that he said. I think it was a new one. Uh, you can't, you can't do ordinary things and expect unique results. And I thought that was fantastic. That's just another way of saying, uh, you have to, you can't win without making sacrifices. You, you can't be successful without making sacrifices that you're maybe not always prepared to make. That was, it was just another way of saying that. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm living that example right now over these last couple of months. You know, I'm always trying to get in the shape, right? And I'm always a fairly active person, but I, I, up until a couple months ago, I wasn't, I wasn't seeing the results I wanted. Why? Because I didn't want to eat the right way. Well, now I'm starting to eat the right way and it's, it's paying off. You know, it's not easy to eat the right way. It's not easy to eat the right kind of foods, but I'm starting to do that. And uh, I'm, I've been consistent with it and now I'm seeing results. So that's something I could relate to. And, uh, Again, he's you know the things he he preaches in his own way. Every every coach preaches those things, but here we are, 16 years into his career with the Steelers, and he's still pushing the right buttons. The things he's saying to his players, both uh, new and 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 old, are are, are getting through. You know, um, and you know I, I don't think people people realize you know how hands-on a head coach actually is he, he he talked about something i thought was really interesting was 
was how he's kind of facilitating a mentorship relationship with with uh, Cam Hayward with, with uh, Cam, between Cam Hayward and 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 um, uh, Najee Harris. He's he's kind of facilitating a mentorship uh, thing with them because he sees Najee Harris as somebody who could be the next leader of that team, you know, and, you know, a lot of people think these things just happen organically, you know, where somebody is anointed to the, the new leader based on just, you know, timing and, and, and what their teammates think of them. But here's Mike Tomlin uh, managing that Mike kind of micromanaging it in a way, you know, entrusting his current leader to teach and pass on some things to what he hopes, who he hopes to be, will be his, his future leader. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So I know, uh, you know, Mike Tomlin's always going to be a, a hot button topic. It's just how it is for any, any coach in any sport. And, you know, if you don't think that Mike Tomlin is the right guy for the job moving forward, nothing I'm saying right now is going to convince you otherwise. It's just how it is. But I just I think he's he's he still has the passion. He still has the fire. He still has everything that they need for him to be the the coach of the future for them and lead them into the future at the age of 50. And I realize that the last 10, 12 years haven't been the greatest as far as championships. But, you know, I, I still say that that what they were able to do in that decade after their last Super Bowl appearance, that was unusual. Usually when a team has the kind of run that they had between 04 and 2010, 2011, the drop, there's a, there's a, a significant drop off after that, but they were able to weather that and, 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 uh, and rebuild their roster in, in the early to mid 2010s and become contenders again. Um, unfortunately they were never really able to build a complete team again. And they were, you know, victimized by untimely injuries right before the playoffs that, that hurt them. I think more than people ever care to admit whenever they say the whole three playoff wins in an 11 years, uh, rant that, that refrain that the people are always throwing out there when it comes to Mike Tomlin. And another thing it's, it's that, that never gets mentioned a lot is that, Hey, look, you know, when, when you have one foot in the uh, when you have one foot in the in the, in the uh, contender uh, field and the other foot in 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 the the rebuilding arena and and you're trying to do both at the same time well that that often leads to mixed results and the reason why they were trying to, to remain competitive while rebuilding is because they had Ben Roethlisberger so you know he was when, when he was doing his thing at the height of his uh, powers with uh, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Martavis Bryant and everything, they were still good enough to, to contend, but they were never, but they were too good to have the kind of draft, uh, the, the draft classes that would make them, that could replenish your roster with elite talent and make them a complete team again, you know, and plus, and, and Tomlin sort of alluded to, to this during the podcast, they were allocating so much money to one position that that made it hard or harder to bring in elite free agent talent to help, you know, facilitate uh, another championship run. So 
you know, I think it's more difficult than people realize. And, and you see other examples around the league. Uh, the Packers with Aaron Rodgers. How, you know, I think their, their last truly great chance to make it to the Super Bowl was when they lost to the Seahawks in 2014. They blew that double-digit lead late. They really have, I mean, they've been good since then, but they haven't been close to what they were from like 2010 through 13, 14, the Packers. The Saints were another example through Breeze the last nine, 10 years. Um, they were pretty good, and they arguably should have gone to the Super Bowl in 2018, if not for that missed call uh, at the end of regulation, missed uh, defensive pass interference call. But really, their their peak was like 2009 through 2012. You know, and then they, you know, both Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers commanded so much salary that I, I don't, they had trouble fielding complete teams. So I don't think people take that into account, you know. So it's going to be interesting to see where Mike Tomlin leads this team, uh, you know, we can have these discussions about should he be on the hot seat? Should he be held accountable? Should, should he uh, be fired? You know, but, but obviously he's not at that point where he should be fired. And when you say things like, should he be held accountable or should it be on the hot seat? What you're really saying is, should he be fired? And it, it, obviously I don't think he should be fired. I still think he's doing his job at a fairly high level at a really high level. And, now he has a young team and I'm eager to see what he does as far as uh, leading them into the future and building them up and coaching them up and whether or not he could turn them into a contender again. So those are my thoughts for tonight. And now I will take some time and answer some questions and highlight some comments. Thanks, Mean Joe says. Tomlin's done a commendable job with never a losing season, and he's our guy. He gets my support, that's for sure. And more importantly, he has, uh, I mean, it's, it's obviously, you're, you're never going to get total support from the fans. I don't care who you are as a coach in, in, the, in, in whatever sport. There's always going to be a faction that just does not think you're doing a good job. That, that, that goes with the territory. But the Roonies, I think they value what he brings to the table, and that's stability. Uh, that's the ability to keep the team uh, together and, and to keep fighting for him. That's a big part of being a head coach is getting your guys to, to buy into what you're saying and to fight for you and, and to want to play for you and to want to play hard for you. And, and Tomlin still has that magic touch after all these years. They're still buying into what he's saying. So I think from that's from the Rooney standpoint, from Art the Second standpoint, uh, Mike Tomlin is still giving them what they want. Now we don't know what's wh how they they're going to react if they say if they have a, a run of like six and eleven seasons, five and twelve seasons. We haven't seen, quite frankly, we haven't seen much of that since 1969. You know, so uh, the mid to late 80s were kind of rough, uh, but they had some decent years in there. The late 90s were kind of rough, but they but Cower was able to rebuild the roster and, and they were good again in the early 2000s. So there have been some rough times, but there hasn't been that run of 3 and 14, 5 and 12, or what I guess in the past it'd be 5 and 11, 6 and 10. There hasn't been that run year after year after year of just of uh, 
horrible record. So, um, so for people to say that, you know, Mike Tomlin has a job for life or he'll never lose his job and the Rooney's will never fire him. Well, we don't know what's going to happen if they have a bad run. But the point is, as of right now, under Mike Tomlin, they've been fairly consistent and they haven't, ha they haven't had a, ba a bad run. They haven't gone more than two seasons without making the playoffs since he took over. So he's been more consistent than Bill Cower, and Cower was really, really consistent. You know, I was sad to see Cower go when he, when he resigned. But, you know, he's been more consistent than Cower, and Cower was fairly consistent himself. So I think uh, moving forward, he's still their guy. Michael O'Malley says, Thomas, the top three coach in the NFL, or is he? Is that, yeah, is it? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Brian Brown asks, when is the first preseason game? It is August 13th at Heinz Field against the Seattle Seahawks. Kyle Johnson asks, which Steeler receiver leads the team in yards this year? That's a tough question. Hmm. I'm going to go with Deontay Johnson. And this is another one from Michael O'Malley, and I find this funny. And not not nothing against Michael O'Malley, but it's just funny how how this narrative changed over the years. And Michael says, knowing full well, I think we all know now that, that Mike Tomlin has had a huge hand in the game planning and the designing of the defense over the last six, seven, eight years. And he says he needs to loosen the reins and this year on the D and allow the coaches to coach. And, you know, maybe you're right, but I just fi find that funny because for years he was criticized for not doing, for being too hands off and being a CEO and not uh, having, you know, people would ask, what's Mike Tomlin do? What does he do? I want to know what he does. How does he affect the game? And now he's doing that. You know, he's, he's, he's a defensive guy. And uh, of course, naturally he's going to want to you know, have his hand in the defense, but now people want him to sort of uh, turn that back over to the, defensive coaches and i mean he's got a couple of great great ones in austin and brian flores so that makes sense but you know he's always going to have a, you want your head coach yeah to be a ceo but you don't want him to be totally hands off you want him to to have a hand in everything because he's accountable for everything he's one of us to answer for everything and steel chick 46 asked tony what's your new diet it's just eating less and eating smarter i mean nothing 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 earth shattering. It's the, the, the wise old uh, principles that we all know. Less calories, healthier food, more nutritionally dense food. That's it. You don't want it, but, but nobody wants to hear that from, from, from me. But that's been my new diet. Just um, just uh, being smarter. It's all, it always comes down to diet. And you, you hear a lot of these um, these fitness gurus and, and you know they, they tell you about what 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 exercises to do and, and this and that but they always say this 90 percent of it's the diet and most people don't want to hear that because we, you know we want to kind of take the easy way out and, and and but it doesn't work that way you have to you have to eat right and thanks mean joe says i'm going with claypool having a breakout year i hope he does i mean he already said he's a top three receiver uh he was criticized for that but at least he's showing confidence i have no problem with that um I'd rather have him say that than, than show no confidence. I mean, if he can become a top three receiver, then they're going to be that much better. And Steelers, Steelers Freak says that I went to Iron 
City Kite Beer. I don't even know what that is. Or Light Beer. I, should, I think he means Light Beer. I do drink a lot of Icy Light. But actually, no, I don't drink a lot of Icy Light. I drink a lot of Miller Light. I do drink a lot of Light Beer, I should say. But, I always, I, but then again, I always drank Light Beer. That, that was never my problem. It's eating too many simple carbs. That's always been my problem. Ever since I was a little kid. Combos, Pop-Tarts, you name it. If it's a simple carb, I'll eat it. <laughs> Who cut your hair, says Mean Joe. Uh, Mother Nature right now. All right, let's see what else we have here. See if I can scroll back and see anything. Ah, here we go. Steelers Pittsburgh. 2019 was a good example of Tomlin keeping a team competitive with limited talent. That's right. And that's what I that's what I point to. Uh, when I think of years, I think it's, we all we all point to that year because it's really the only example we can look back on with Tomlin without Ben Roethlisberger, and that's 2019. I mean, this this team um, you know lost its most indispensable player six quarters into the season, and that was on the heels of losing Antonio Brown. You know, trading him away because he burned every bridge in Pittsburgh, and of course, Le'Veon Bell was gone, Bryant was gone. Uh, and yet he kept them in it. They went out, they made the deal for uh, Mika Fitzpatrick. They had probably the most elite defense in the NFL that year. It was certainly one of them. Uh, it was certainly, certainly the most opportunistic, or at least one of the most opportunistic. And, uh, you know, they were, they were getting by with, with a, a, a young and unproven Mason Rudolph and a totally young and unproven Devlin Hodges. And they almost made the playoffs. They finished one game out. So, you know, uh, hopefully the defense will be as good this year as it was in 2019. I, I think it has the potential, <clears throat> especially now if, if Ogan Joby is healthy. Um, and, you know, if the offensive line can, can keep, I, I should say keep improving, actually improve. Uh, and be a, a, an asset to them this year, or at least be average for them this year, then um, um, maybe they can they can uh, surprise a lot of people. You know, I don't think people are expecting a whole lot from them, but I don't blame them either because you know until they prove that they that they have a, a really good quarterback among all these great quarterbacks in the AFC, then you know it's going to be hard to convince people that the Steelers are. are, are or a legit team, but you know, that's what's so great about sports is it's, it's the ultimate reality TV show. And that's why we keep tuning in uh, each and every uh, day and a week, because we want to, we want to be uh, surprised. And I think the Steelers could surprise some people this year. If some things fall into place, Havoc pleasant asks who starts on a defensive line and your thoughts. Well, obviously Cam Hayward, and Alu are going to uh, be starters. Um, as far as it, I guess it all depends on, on, on what base or what, what defense they're in. Uh, I think KT Smith uh, mentioned that they, they played a lot of uh, schemes last year where they only had two linemen. Uh, so I think Ogunjobi and uh, Alu Alu would probably be interchangeable in that, Regard, but if it's a base three four, uh, then obviously it's going to be a Lulu, Ogan Joby, and, and, and Hayward, you know. But hopefully, uh, some of these younger guys can can uh, 
make some waves this year, like uh, Louder Milk and of course Leal, the rookie, because in because the uh, you know if they can find a, at least one good player out of those two, then that's gonna bode well for the future for that unit. Because uh, you know, let's face it, Lulu and, and Cam Hayward, especially those two, are, are getting up there, and you know you have to find uh, your future eventually. So hopefully, with these young guys, they have a lot of young talent in that on that line now. Maybe they can develop into something. All right. I think it's time to hang them up for the night and go eat some dinner and fall asleep and get up and go to work tomorrow. But it was fun talking to you all and interacting with you all. And I always appreciate the, uh, the participation. And uh, again, don't forget to check out the rest of our podcast family and continue coming back to uh, Behind the Store Curtain, the website for awesome content each and every day and night. Until I talk to you on Monday with Brian and Shannon, have a great weekend and go Steelers.